What's up, guys? My name is Two's Podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Dave Hardesty, founder of ClutchFans.com. Dave, how you doing? Good, Salman. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. So I just got through explaining to somebody like the, that the concept of seasons is like foreign to me as a Houstonian. Like we just don't have those. My entire life, I've never had like an organized winter. So that's that's very new to me. Like in January, we just start getting random cold fronts. At Christmas time, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's not. It's just a it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip, and I I never know what to expect. And like that goes for every other season. So spring, summer, all that. It's well in the summer. I think we it's consistently hot. That's all we know. In the summer, it's 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 pouring rain and it's hot, and that's the only consistency we get here in Houston. But other than that, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's funny. We actually had some uh, people from New York that have never even lived in Houston uh, move in recently, uh, right right in our neighborhood and uh, next door, and so gotten to know them. Uh, and um, they're actually from Afghanistan, and they were asking about the weather here in Houston and. <laughs> I was breaking it down very similar to that. Uh, the way I usually sum it up is, you know, eight months out of the year, you love it here. And then those four hot months are just, uh, there's something. So I think that, you know, made them a little nervous about what to expect in the summer, but, uh, but um, they like it here so far. Well, that's, that's good. So are they, are they those annoying New Yorkers that come down here and like wear shorts outside and kind of flaunt how like, this isn't really that cold. Like, it, it, are they those type of people? I don't think so. They seem, uh, they seem pretty like, uh, the, the funny part is, uh, you know, my wife and I met them and it was, um, you know, they were like absolutely blown away that, that the neighborhood has a park down the road and like there's a pool in the neighborhood, you know I mean? Typical stuff that you see in Houston, right. but like, but to, you know, coming from New York, they were just like, you know, nothing, we don't have anything like that there. And so they don't have suburbs, like basically. Well, yeah, I mean, not certainly not in the city and uh, they're actually from Queens, but they, uh, you know, they're just, um, they're so far just, just really enjoying it, but no, they seem very uh, down to earth people. Yeah. So I remember like my first time going to New York and like being shocked at like how limited the real estate is there. Like it's a giant city. And at the same same time, it's so tiny because everything's just so cramped and it's like 20 million people and they're all just like going all everywhere at once. Um, It's fascinating. I love it. I love the city. I love New York, but it is an experience coming from Houston for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to come. I wanted you to come on the show this week because I feel like the two of us have some grievances to air out, not personally, but on a <laughs> basketball level, as it pertains to the Rockets. So let's start with this. Why do you hate Ben Simmons? Let's start there. <laughs> so the funny part is, I actually I, I really like Ben Simmons. Well, no, really is probably not the right word. Uh, I, I like Ben Simmons. I, I recognize his talent. Uh, I just like. I am have I've always been partial to players who if they got to be able to shoot at a at a base level and um his is is something I think we haven't even seen before in that he really just won't even do it um and you know I like he's a fantastic player in all other regards I think he's great playmaker he's got great size good perimeter defend uh defender um you know, can score around the basket. Uh, I mean, and I, by perimeter defender and, and just all around defender, I, I'd say he's outstanding. I just look at it like considering what it would cost you to get him considering, um, you know, his contract currently and, and, and how much you would, 
you know, that that's basically going to be one of your pillars, two or three pillars that you have. Um, just considering all those things, um, I, I would pass on, on trying to get him. So can I make a rebuttal to the contract thing? Cause this is actually, so he has three years left, right? Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that sounds right. Yeah. So is it fair to say that 2023, the, the 2023 is really the, the summer you really have to worry about, right? Like for Correct. right now, cap space doesn't matter when the Rockets get to that point and they actually have to spend that money because they are, they really do only have one summer and then it's gone. Is it the worst idea in the world to spend $30 million a year on Ben Simmons? Because if you think about like, if you strike out on free agents, well, you have to spend that money somewhere. And I, you know, personally, if, if I'm Houston, I'd rather spend that money on, I'd rather overpay Ben Simmons. If you, if you consider that an overpay, I don't. If you, I'd rather overpay Ben Simmons than Christian Wood. Well, so let me put it this way. I think that's a great argument for signing him outright in free agency. I think that's a, that's a good argument. But then when you balance it out with what you have to pay to get him, and right. then you're still thinking to yourself, you've got to build a, a future, you know, is Jalen Green, you know, Alpern Shangun and, you know, KPJ and, and Ben Simmons is that it? Because, you know, I think, you know, from kind of our Twitter exchange, it sounds like you, I believe, want to give up this year's uh, draft pick, I believe, uh, Houston's pick. So, um, so here, here's where I stand on things. So, like, I, I mentioned the ca- I mentioned the contract thing as a rebuttal to the contract, right? So let's talk about, like, everything else. Number one, I don't think it's very likely the Rockets trade for Ben Simmons. Like, first of all, it would require a really complicated three-team trade scenario, maybe even four teams, in which it's probably smarter for that third or fourth team to go get Ben Simmons themselves. And, you know, also to my knowledge, the Rockets aren't actively pursuing Ben Simmons right now. Um, number two, with that being said, I think that they should go go pursue Ben Simmons. I think they should go make calls for Simmons. I think they should go make calls for Jalen Brown. I think they should go make like spell around the price of Damian Lillard and people hear that and automatically get upset and be like, like, Oh my God, Salman, that makes no sense. That completely ruins the Rockets uh, tank. It, it, it would require giving up good draft picks. This is supposed to be a long dra- rebuild, et cetera, et cetera. Um, first of all, there's no requirement that this rebuild for Houston should be long. There is a requirement that it should be a successful rebuild and a successful rebuild. Like those are rebuilds that, in the end, like they acquire star talent either via the draft or trade. And the Rockets are tanking right now because historically is one of the highest probability odds to get a star. And if they go, if they could go sign a star right now, they would in a heartbeat. Like, let's be clear on that. Like, those are just the facts. Those players are extremely hard to get. It may seem like they're widely available because they get traded every year. But it's just not the case. Like you have to put yourself in position to be in every trade conversation, uh, have premium assets to trade, and eventually have max cap space uh, to have the option to go sign that player if you can't trade for that player, which is what Houston is doing for 2023. Uh, and number four, I think I also think Ben Simmons in particular is a very nice fit next to the optimized versions of both Jalen Green and Alper and Shangun. Like the Rockets are going to need high-level defenders to make up for what those two aren't. I also think Jalen Green being a high-level playmaker at the peak of his powers is pretty unlikely. Uh, And Simmons is exactly both of those things. And maybe I'm just delusional. 
I think the market is underrating what Simmons currently is as a player, and I've personally not given up on the idea that he he could be the second or third best player on a championship team yet. I just haven't given that up, given up on that yet. I think every, like people have that lasting image of Simmons in the playoffs, and like in reality, like sometimes stars have low moments in the playoffs. Like Harden had low moments in the playoffs. Like LeBron had low moments in the playoffs. Right? Like Ben Simmons in, in particular was was really really bad for sure but but this idea that he can't get past that and continue on his star trajectory i'm just i'm just pretty opposed to that well you know i guess so for example if he's the third best guy on a championship team how do you get the first and second and are we assuming already that you know jalen green and alpin shangoon are that i mean i i like them both i i just i mean i just don't think that's a like something we can safely say right now, you know what I mean? And, and I just don't think they have the avenue to get high level talent without, um, you know, or I should say if they jump in now, um, I, I don't think they have the, the means to, to do that. I think right now they they need a couple of an, another lottery pick this year, possibly another one next year um, and have another couple cracks at adding some star players. And I think, the, the beauty of the way that they're currently aligned is, you know, as you know, in 2023, they're, you know, set up to have quite a bit of cap room. Um, and that's why I think in any John Wall trade, in any um, Eric Gordon trade, they're not going to, they're at least probably going to be looking to take back salary that does not go beyond 2023. And when they get to that point, they're going to have added, uh, you know, ha- have drafted um, some high level talent. At least we we believe um, if they get a top four th- pick this year, they should get somebody very good, um, and they're going to have future picks. You know, the I believe the 2024 uh, uh, pick from from Brooklyn. They're you know po- hopefully going to continue to add to their stash. They've got the the uh, swaps and all those different things. There's a lot of picks that they can trade with all this cap room to add pieces and not, not to mention they could trade those prospects or, or different prospects. I really feel that that, you know, we're only a year and a half away from that. That's the time when they need to go all in. And, and I think I mentioned, you know, to you, to you then, like there's every year, there's somebody, I think they're going to be in a great position then to, to add for that guy. Whereas right now trying to negotiate with Daryl Morey, who is looking for, you know, a haul for Ben Simmons, um, and has, you know, his value very high. I don't think he's going to be had cheaply at all. Um, I, I just, I, I just would not do it. I, I would I honestly, my, my uh, feelings on that, even though I like Ben Simmons as a player, uh, I'm not in love with him, but I think he's a good player. Uh, I, I just, I, that was something I feel really strongly about that they should stay the course until that time. Well, let's start with this baseline question. Do, do you agree with me in that Ben Simmons is a star caliber talent? If we can't get there, that's a, uh, that's a pretty clear indication of why this asking price is, is you know, we're so far apart here. Well, I, you know, when you say star caliber talent, I mean, I think like, you can, can he make say, another all-star team. Like, let's start uh, there. I, I think he could make an all-star team. I think he's certainly first team all defense. I think he could be defensive player of the year. Uh, you know, uh, I think he could be an all NBA guy as maybe a third team. Um, I just... I don't think. Okay. Well, 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 I, I just wanted, I wanted to see if we can get there. I, I wanted to see if we can get there because to me, I look at him and I'm like, he's clearly a top ten passer in the NBA, right? Like he's, 
he makes some advanced level reads, especially to shooters that most players in the NBA just can't make. They just can't fathom those level of passes. And as a defender, I also think he's top 10 there too. Like, so you're talking a top 10 level defender and passer, and that's so unique to have in a package. And that's kind of why I'm so optimistic that he could fit into a team concept that's different than what the Sixers have. I think this this idea that the Sixers can't be, I mean, this idea that the Sixers were this ideal fit, like, you know, Daryl Morey went on the radio this weekend and it caught, it caught a lot of headlines because he said something along the lines of like, Darryl, of, of like, Ben Simmons is like the ideal fit next to, you know, Joel Embiid. I think we we can both acknowledge he was posturing there, right? Like he, he, I don't think he even believes that. I think, I think he may be high on Ben Simmons, but this idea that he was in a good situation, I have a hard time believing that. He was in a better situation last year in, in compared to other years because the, the Sixers surrounded him with shooting, but they did, they, at the, at the core, they still had Ben Simmons in a position where his best scoring option was in the paint next to Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid yes he can floor space but that's not what he's great at so I I I didn't agree with this idea that like he was in a good position to start with also like you mentioned that I tweeted that my ceiling price for Simmons would include at least one premium pick from Houston that Houston owns like the 2022 first or the 2022 Brooklyn first, and people flipped out. Well, well, hold on. There's there's a difference between those two, right? Obviously, the Houston 2022 first and the Brooklyn 2022 first. No, no, I said 2026. Oh, okay, okay. I just heard 22. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the 26 first is... It's yeah, a premium I mean, pick. It, it yeah, could it be. Yeah. yeah, so... And like guys, like I went through it last week with a ten-year period for drafts, and I went back and did it again this morning with another ten-year period. Like the rate of all stars in the top five, it's pretty high relative to other areas of the draft, right? Obviously, that's why everybody wants top five picks, but it's still at the end of the day, thirty-five to forty percent, right, in terms of conversion to all-star players. And if you isolate it down to players who have accomplished as much as Simmons by the age of twenty-five, it's even smaller than that. And I actually did this. Uh, I had some fun this weekend with some talent evaluators. Like I, I especially talent talent evaluators who aren't as high on Ben Simmons. It's always fun messaging those guys and asking them, like, okay, so if if you knew any particular player in this in this upcoming draft would achieve as much as Ben Simmons by the age of twenty five, where would they be in the draft? And like they would be like they would flip out and be annoyed by the premise, but they at the end of the day they'd say number one. They that player would be the first pick in the NBA draft. If you could guarantee they'd be as good as Simmons by age twenty five, no question they'd be number one because you don't get that type of talent in your particular like number one spot. Like I I think year to year, like yes, you can find players that are better than Simmons in the number one spot. But this idea that it's just a guarantee that whoever you're whoever Houston drafts in the top five is going to be as a first of all is going to be a star. And second of all, is going to be a star as accomplished as Simmons. I think that's misguided. Well, I think, it, for example, you know, if you're the Rockets, would you give up that stash of assets? And, and, and I think well, you not a stash, just one, just one of those picks, one premium pick. Well, okay. I, I, I thought, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I thought from the, the tweet it was the the uh, 2020 or the Houston's first and the 26 Brooklyn, but maybe it was one or the other. But yeah, then one or the other. Also, there's also obviously Wood and Gordon, which you would think that each should at least get a first round pick. You know, so you're probably looking at, um, you know, four first round picks, the equivalent of. Right. Um, 
So, so I think it would be like, would you give that up for Draymond Green right now? A age difference, you know, notwithstanding. And I think that's kind of how I view Ben Simmons is like, yeah, Draymond Green's an all-star player, you know, and if, you know, I think you would say if you could guarantee the kind of career from Draymond Green or, you know, from any player you would, from that player in a draft, you would want to take him really high as well. But I think it, it's just that the Rockets are just not at that stage, in my opinion. I, I, you're going to lose significant assets, and you're not going to have you're, you're not going to be bad enough, nor good enough to make that noise for, to move forward. I think you know you need to be, in my personal opinion, pretty bad to get those those picks and have those high end talent. Now, granted, there are teams that really hit when when they get up in the lottery, top five picks, and then you know there are teams like the Suns did for years or the Kings do for, you know, decades um, that don't. And, you know, right now, you know, Jalen Green, uh, you know, I, I'm still high on him and, and everything, but, you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to pan out. I mean, he's, he's certainly not had a great rookie year um, so far, but, um, you know, it's way too early to draw conclusions, but there's no guarantee he's going to turn out to be the, the you know, superstar that we all hope for. And, and so without, you know, knowing some of that. And that's the other thing uh, also, Salman, is that, you know, uh, you, you wait another year and a half, you, you've got more intel on Shingun, you've got more on, on green. And that's when you know what you have and you can build around what you have. And I, I just think, you know, Ben, I wouldn't want Ben Simmons as, and, and, and then significantly fewer picks as my whole basis moving forward. That, that's what I, I would get at right now. Maybe, in a year and a half. And I know he wouldn't be the guy that's on the block most likely, but you know, maybe then you say, wow, he would really fit well with everything that they've got going on. But I just think right now you, it would be a mistake. Even Lillard, you know, I think, um, you know, Jalen Brown could be something different. You would look at, I I'd say, but you know, again, depends on what that costs, but you know, well, I, with, with Lillard, I would smell around. I, I would not aggressively pursue Damian Lillard, but I would smell around. Like, I, I think I would aggressively pursue guys in their mid twenties, right? Like, like, like Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm to be honest with you, I, I haven't even really looked at some of those options. To be, I, I would just, I usually just push it away because I just say to myself, <laughs> the Rockets should be, you know, for basically the plan that I outlined. Um, that's what they should be sticking to, in my opinion. Now, granted, if somebody fell on their lap and or there was a great opportunity, then that's one thing, you know. And and I should say that when you know James Harden came about, I don't know if I, you know, that that trade when they got him in 2012, I don't know if I would have said to myself, "Oh, James Harden is absolutely the franchise centerpiece." You know, in my personal opinion, I thought he was a star. I wasn't sure about a superstar, um, and so you know that I was planning on a rebuild at that point in time. So. You know, you never know what could come about, but I just think that the Rockets would be making a mistake if they pushed their their chips to the in the middle of the table right now. A good portion of them certainly, um, and went for Ben Simmons. Yeah, and oh, man, your phone is going off like crazy. Um, so like <laughs> I, I I remember when I feel like a lot of younger fans don't remember the amount of near star players that Maury almost acquired. And they weren't as they weren't nearly as good as James Harden ended up becoming. Like Maury went after stars like Amari Stoudemire. He went after stars like Dwight Howard. He went after Andrew Bynum, Pal Gasol, Nene. Like he went after like guys that were like 
good NBA players, but weren't like franchise caliber stars. Like I think I think Dwight was probably the closest name that I listed there that was as good as like as maybe James Harden at his peak, right? Like that that's that's the only name there that, you know, you could say in that long line of guys that he went after, he went after Carmelo too. So I, I guess you could say that. Chris Bosch was in there too, yeah. Yeah, right. So like he went after, like he didn't just go for top level guys. He went after every range of star talent that you can find because he knew once you get that first star in, it's much easier to start building everything out. Now, it obviously, ideally, you'd like that first guy to be a franchise level cor- cornerstone, right? Like that's I that's ideal. But like you don't get to like the NBA is not this corner store where you can go to the store and find the exact right star that you want. You have to find like you have to get like talent is talent. You have to get it. You have to get it where you can. Like especially like when you look at the, this upcoming draft, like most of the guys at the top of the draft, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, probably project to be second, maybe third best player on a championship team. Like, there's no guarantee that you're going to get someone like that. And uh, the premise that you mentioned, like, okay, like going for that star means you're not going to go acquire another. You're not going to go get a chance at a top five pick again. Well, I'm not saying you 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 give everything up. I'm not saying you give up all your assets. I'm not saying give up all the Brooklyn picks. I'm not saying give up all the Brooklyn swaps. I'm not saying give up both the 2022 and the 2026. You'll still have you'll still have stabs at the top of the draft. Right, like if you decide to trade the twenty 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 six Brooklyn pick, for example, you're still going to have the twenty twenty two pick, right? And that might be less good because you're acquiring Simmons, so that so you're going to be a better team. You might fall into that top ten, I mean bottom ten record wise instead of bottom five. But I don't think Simmons is going to sway you all the way up to the middle of the pack. As good as I think he is, I don't think in the last two months of the season, he's going to sway you that far ahead. And the same thing goes if you trade the 2022 pick. Well, you still have a chance that one of those Brooklyn picks ends up being a top five pick. And next season, you're also going to have a really good pick. So this idea that you're giving up the farm, I don't think it's giving up the farm. I just think you're giving up the normal amount. Like I think you're giving up the asking price. Well, you have to, you know, keep in mind as well that Rockets, you know, they don't have the 2024 pick. They don't have the 2026 pick. And then, of course, the swap on 2025, you know, and so we're just on a difference in timetable, basically. I'm all for the Rockets going in. I don't want to be rebuilding forever. I, I just think that they could be in a position where they could look genius level if they hit these next two drafts. Um and, and, you know, go into that 2023 year where it's not just looking for free agents. It's any disgruntled star or any star that wants to, any team that wants to shift gears and go, you know, into a rebuild, the Rockets could then, you know, flip some of these picks and add uh, a significant player around some really high level talent. And, and suddenly they're a playoff team, you know, or, and OKC is not exactly getting, the high-end picks that they, you know, were wishing for or hoping for. So I just, I think it's too risky. I, I really do. I think it's, uh, I think it's a uh, potential has, has basically some downside there where the Rockets could be back into a situation where they're rebuilding again. And, you know, I mean, there's other Ben Simmons knocks as well. I mean, so just, I think, you know, the whole situation that Philly's in right now that he, you know, he, because he was criticized last year for not taking that shot and, He's not even wanting to play. And it's just, you know, that's a, a, a pretty big mess. And, and um, 
Yeah, so see, see, like I, I, I tend to not care about that kind of stuff as much. Like, the, like the emotional side of all that. Like, I just think you, you go after star talent, and like you figure it out later. Like, like as far as like the off the court element with him, I don't think it's really that much of a problem. I think if he was in a better, I think if he was in a situation where he was happy, I don't think he would be doing this. Yeah, it may not be, but if he's not happy, you certainly know that you have the potential where this could happen. But you could also um, trade him again for assets, right? Like that's that's the counter argument. Like, okay, so maybe you it didn't work out for you, and maybe when you trade him again, you you're trading him at a devalued price. But it's not obviously there's some risk in every star tra- star player trade. Yeah, it's just isn't the one I would do, and and not the it's really not the time that I would do it. It's basically the, the the bottom line. I mean, I think Simmons, I like him, and you and I probably do have a difference in value of how good he is. I, I, as far as you know, the passing and, and defense, I think we're right in line. I think he's that that good, but uh, to me, I just I, I think it's just it's too important to con- to basically stay the course for this next year and a half. And I think when they get to that summer, we're going to see something, you know, basically open up for the Rockets that's going to make them uh, the team that we hope, you know, hope they can be. And, and a lot of that's going to depend on how they draft these next two years. I mean, right now, you know, there's no reason to be really down on, on Jalen green, but certainly I think if they had taken Evan Mobley, nobody would even be questioning this pick. I mean, he's, he's been that good. Um, but you know, they can't, my, my point is they can't afford to miss on these drafts. And, and I'm not saying they've missed with Jalen green, but they've got to hit these, and if they do, I think they're going to be in an ideal position uh, at that summer. Yeah, I think the the biggest uh, reason I believe that for you the the decision not to trade for Simmons stems from the player and not the timeline is you'd be willing to do it if it was Jalen Brown. They're both the same age. I, I yeah. think it's it's I'm not I'm not in love with Jalen Brown, um, but I mm-hmm. I like him enough to where I say to myself, okay, that might be an all around player that you would consider it for. But again, it's, it's all the price. I think if it was the same price that you're outlining, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I, I you wouldn't do that for Jalen Brown either. I, I just don't know. I haven't really, like I said, I haven't really evaluated it because to be honest with you, I've kind of pushed all that stuff aside. I think somebody like Halliburton is, is to me, you know, just his efficiency is, is quite interesting to me. And, I love and, Halliburton a lot. Yeah, I, I, mean, I love that guy. <laughs> And like, and I've mentioned Patrick Williams. I like Patrick Williams, but but I I don't. I guess I guess haven't really focused on players as much as I think the Rockets should be stockpiling picks because it's not just about using those picks. It's just when they get to that 2000, um, you know, that summer of 2023, picks are work is basically what it's going to be that's going to get what you know the trades done that they want um, because you know if you've got cap room. And you're also that team that can take on that star contract without having to, you know, saddle the other team with bad contracts just to match salary. And you can give them a bunch of picks. I mean, you're in just a great situation, a great position. So, yeah, there are some players that I've been intrigued by, but not not many that are like these, you know, max contract guys. Because just I haven't really focused on it because I just I'm, I'm just kind of staying the course. I feel like the Rockets should be should be doing that. But like I said, Jalen Brown is somebody that, you know, when they were shopping Harden, I was uh, intrigued by, and, and frankly, I was intrigued by Ben Simmons at the time as well. But I, I just, I think after the Harden trade, um, this is just, I think the right course and the right way they should go. Fair enough. Like, 
Uh, one more. Hold on. Would you do it for Deer and Fox? Uh, I don't think so. And I, okay. and I like. All right. So it's really a timeline for you, then, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily know his age, but and he's a he's a good player. Um, like I said, I love Halliburton because of his efficiency, um, and that's what I just I love about him. Um, but I, I don't. I don't think I would on Fox right now. I, and like I said, it's just I, I almost feel a little bit unprepared for that because I'd feel like, you know, I, I've been so focused on their direction, but uh, I, I don't, I don't think I would. I think they're um, just, I like the Rockets where they are right now with their, the assets they've accumulated. Um, I don't feel a need to, you know, turn things around right away. Um, you know, maybe, maybe something happens with John Wall and Eric Gordon and, and maybe the timeline does change where it's this summer. You know, I mean, I highly doubt they're going to be able to trade John Wall for something, you know, that expires this year, but, but, you know, something could change in that regard, but the way it's currently aligned, um, it, it, it all signs point to that year. Okay. And by the way, to, to be clear, there might've been people listening that don't know what I tweeted, like the asking price, like the ceiling price that I listed. So I, I went ahead and I said, I'd trade a premium pick, which is 2022 Rockets or 2026 Brooklyn first. So one that has a high chance of being a lottery pick and a, um, and obviously the contracts of Christian Wood and Eric Gordon. And at most I'd be willing to throw in an extra pick like a medium, I'm like a, a late first or a medium first, right? So like, that's kind of like my ceiling price for Ben Simmons. That, that's kind of what I listed. So if you were wondering like, well, what kind of price were we talking about? And, you know, I kept throwing all these other extra players, like, would you do it for this? Would you do it for that? That was the price I was talking about. Um, and by the way, nobody is saying that you have to be beholden to, da- to an unreasonable asking price. Like if Daryl is really like, set, like setting a price that's unreasonable, you can you're allowed to hang up the phone. Uh, I just think you have to be in the conversations. But that, that that's how I feel. You may disagree. Uh, I'm glad we had this on a podcast form because I think you know we talked. We spent a good 35 minutes talking about this. But that's kind of where I stand on this. And, and I think I would be closer to agreeing with you. Like I said, if it was like adding, you know, signing him, uh, given the cost and that, I, I just to me, I just I think it. It, it hurts too much, but you know, it's okay. We, you know, disagree on that. I just, I think, uh, all those things considered, I think the Rockets are better off not going after him. Yeah. I'm just disappointed. I couldn't bring you closer to my side. Like I, I, I tried, <laughs> I tr- I spent a good half hour trying, um, but let's move on. So we're less than three weeks away from the NBA trade deadline. The Rockets are obviously going to be sellers. Uh, and we're starting to hear more sellers starting to come up. Right. But I think, in general, like it's become a really complicated question as to whether teams should sell because of this new play-in tournament. But it's pretty clear that at least Eric Gordon will be shipped out for Houston. What else do you want them to accomplish at the deadline? You know, as a Rockets fan, like what do you want them to do? Well, um, that's a great question. So yes, I absolutely want them to trade Eric Gordon. I would consider it. Uh, I don't want to say a failure, even though that was a poll question I asked. I, I'd I, I would. It, I was going to say consider it disappointing is what I would say. But yes. It, I mean, I think they need to trade him, but, but I think, you know, there's been some caveats to that. If they don't, you know, get a, uh, you know, a decent offer, if they don't get a first round pick or, or something along those lines, then, then you could make the case that it wouldn't necessarily be a failure, but it would be very disappointing if they don't trade him now. I mean, he's hitting 45, 46% from three. Um, That's why I would, because he's playing like this 
Like, if, if he was just playing like how he was last season and we're at this point and they couldn't trade, I'm like, okay, it's a disappointment for Houston, but I don't think it's a failure because he's playing like this. Like, he's been ridiculous. Like, there, there, there should be a bunch of teams lining up to trade for the dude right now. Exactly. It would, it would be stunning to me if a first round pick is not offered for Gordon. Um, you know, I, I, the Rockets do have two first round picks this year. I, I don't think the Rockets won another first, you know, late first this year. Um, you know, that, that maybe they could trade it for a, a future first, but I think ideally they would look for one that was 2023 or beyond. Uh, that, that's just the hunch or the feeling you get. Um, so that yes, trading Gordon is, is one. And frankly, I want Gordon on a contender. I mean, he's been, nothing but professional. He hasn't caused any stink. I mean, nothing compared to, to Harden or, you know, late in the, in his stint, uh, what PJ Tucker did. So to me, you know, he deserves to be on a contender and and his contract sort of, you know, needs that as well. I mean, he, if he wants, he should have a chance at a title. And if he wins a title, his, his, you know, final year of his contract is guaranteed. So that's, that's one. Um, I don't consider it a failure if they don't trade Christian Wood. I would like to see Christian Wood traded, um, but I don't consider it a failure. I, I think, you know, at, at a minimum, you you got I think consider trading him in the summer. Maybe something changes for the rest of the season and how he plays, and and you look at him more foundationally, or or maybe you can you know re-sign him at a at a decent rate. But I just think he's going to cost a lot of money, and there's just a lot of reason, in my opinion, to to trade him. But I, I, like I said, I'm not going to be disappointed if they don't. I would like to see them shop David Nawaba. I think that's a guy that you know might be able to help some teams, and and, and as well DJ Augustine. Um, you know, we're talking second round pick territory for either one of those. Um, and <laughs> I, I mean, I'm we we laugh about it, but I, you know, I, I think the Lakers situation is so messy. I am keeping. You gonna bring up John Wall here? I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I really do feel like something there could be possible simply because he's such a mess. And, you know, let's see when Anthony Davis comes back. I mean, maybe they decide that, you know, they're just going to run it out. And if I'm the Lakers, I'm frankly, I'm not wanting to give up a 2027 unprotected first yeah. just to flip Westbrook and Wall. I mean, was it you it, that proposed that, or was this was this was that something you saw and you were and you were like you have to jump on that? Because I when I saw that brought up the twenty twenty seven, I'm like, there's no chance in hell. I I think a swap of Westbrook and Wall is worth that. That 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 pick might be top five because of like you look at LeBron's thirty seven right now. He's going to be forty three in twenty twenty seven. Anthony Davis is twenty eight. He's going to be thirty four in twenty twenty seven. Like LeBron will be retired by then. And God knows what's going to happen with Anthony Davis. Like that's going to be a lottery pick, or that looks like it's going to be a lottery pick. Like I would not trade that right now for for it, that kind of a swap, except for the fact that you know their location is so you know free agent location is so tempting for so many players. But yes, I I mean they they have a there's a good chance that that team's going to go south, and in the NBA you can't just you know patch a few guys together and and be a playoff team necessarily. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the draw of that pick. Right. So no, no, it wasn't me. I didn't, um, make that up. I mean, uh, you know, a long time ago, we talked about the wall Westbrook and, you know, I was basically saying, you're going to have to get a first round pick to make that worthwhile. And the 2026 or 27 
because they there there's a 2024 or 25 on the pick they owe the Pelicans. You know the Pelicans have the right to defer that 2024 pick to 2025. What a um, crazy yeah. th- like stipulation to put in a trade, by the way. I I didn't realize that until recently. Like I knew they had all these Pelicans picks, but I didn't realize that they had the right to defer that 2024 pick to 2025. Like they they just had the Lakers by the proverbial balls in that trade. Yeah. Like I mean, that's, that was a smart uh, smart you know option that they threw in there. Um, and yeah, so th- that's, you know, and the report that Mark Stein came out with is that, you know, the, the Rockets would be willing to do this if that in, you know, included that pick. So, you know, or, or draft capital. And so I just think that they're in such a bind and that they can't afford to just waste, um, a LeBron year. And I just, I, just because of the John wall clutch aspect, I just, I'm not saying that that's, that would drive them to make the trade, but if, they know anything. I mean, if there's any questions about John Wall, they will know if he's in good shape, playing well, looks good, all of those things. And so, you know, we'll see. I, I'm not, uh, you know, like believing that's going to happen. But, you know, let's see what Russ does, because <laughs> we know we all know Russ. And, I, you know, when you've got a, a team that's, you know, you can you would expect to be a title contender. You know, just putting the ball in Russell Westbrook's hands is going to be either something great or, frankly, more likely something very disastrous. Um, and I just think that it's too, just extremely risky for them to roll him out there, uh, you know, going into the playoffs. But they may have no choice at this point. I, you know, it, it would be – I can't see anyone else taking him, but it would be extremely pricey for for them to make a deal with the Rockets. Yeah, like, so about the wall thing. So, like, I think if I'm Houston, I'd be willing to accept even lesser than a first-round pick. Like, I I, I think if I'm Houston, like, I, I could go up to, like, two seconds and be willing to accept a trade for wall because it's going to be impossible to move him um, in any other to, to any other team. Like, or maybe even if, if that's too low for you, maybe a pick swap. Uh, I know that was brought up on Twitter yesterday. I think that's that reasonable. Maybe. Yeah, See, like yeah, I wouldn't go the seconds myself. I, I I just I'd rather the Lakers just suffer to be honest than than and you know and, and lose out on a couple of seconds. And I, their their second round picks that they have are not great at all. Um, I mean they're they're at best mid second round picks. Um, the ones that they have for for the future. So I'm not talking about the Lakers. I'm talking about just some of the. I think they have a Miami one in there, and then like the you know least favorable of another couple teams in there. It's just um, you know, it's, it's not a good, uh, array of second round picks, but a swap, I, I would, you know, possibly talk about that, especially if Westbrook is, uh, you know, willing to take more of a buyout than, than wall, than a swap in those later years, say 2026, um, isn't intriguing, but I, yeah, I don't think I would take two seconds. I, I would want a first, um, just for, for doing that deal because well you know, i mean because what is houston really doing they're not doing it's not going to cost them any more money it's like it may cost them more money up front to buy out westbrook if that's what he wants because I, I just like people keep talking about how this is like a such a big favor that houston's doing the lakers well no they're doing them like a, a small solid but it's not really a big solid it's, they're not really doing anything they're not paying more money for a player like you see that a lot right you see you see a fir- first round picks being given up uh in a case where a team is taking on significant money they're not taking on significant money they're taking the exact same amount of money back 
I think they'd be doing him a huge solid. I really did. That's how low I think of Westbrook. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I'm serious. And I don't even mean just in, in, uh, you know, I mean, obviously with Houston, he had his two months where he was Hercules, but you know, he, he, uh, he is a massive liability at, at times. I'm telling you, like he, he could single-handedly destroy a team in the playoffs. We've seen this multiple years in the last few years. Um, I, I just, I, I think they would be doing him a huge solid. Now, granted, I don't, I don't know how uh, great John Wall looks right now, but just going off of last year's John Wall alone, I, I would think it's doing them a solid. It's doing them somewhat of a. I don't see. Here's the thing. I, it really depends on what what you view Wall as, right? Because Wall would be the player returning to the, to the Lakers, and like, I think I frankly think that last season, you know, last year Westbrook was better than Wall. I think it's fair to say that you know Westbrook might still be better than Wall. We haven't seen Wall play in a while, but I would I I would err on the safe side and say, yeah, I think I'd, pro- I'd probably say Wall's pro- Westbrook's probably better than Wall. I mean. I guess he. Here's why where it might be worth it. If we, if Wall has significantly less usage with the Lakers than Westbrook currently has, like if he's willing to take a significant step back and be a true a true role player, right? Like be like the ultimate version of Ricky Rubio, then maybe, then maybe it's worth it. Uh, I I it's really one of those things where like I want to see what Wall looks like to where I'd say that's a big favor. But yeah, I, I listen. I think I think. Um, the 2027 first is obviously we both agree that that's too much for the Lakers to do. I think, I think that middle ground that we talked about, like a swap of like, so what year would you be willing to swap? Uh, 2026 or later. I, the only, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't, they may have a, a, uh, an option earlier. I think there's one year maybe where they, um, they would have, they have a swap, I think with the Pelicans and then you can, you, know, you could do a swap after that. But, uh, yeah, I would want 2026 or later. That's like, like you know, it's not already been swapped. Um, so I think that's what what I would uh, uh, that's what I would be willing to do. I, to be honest with you, I, I don't even I don't feel any inclination at all. Now, granted, maybe Tillman Fertitta does if there's a significant savings here. I mean, the Lakers can throw in. I'm assuming like five million in a, in, in a trade, uh, you know, to go towards some of this. But you know, and, and so he may have more of a. a an incentive to do it than we do as fans. But I, I mean, I don't feel any like, you know, I'm not upset in any way. If the Rockets don't trade John wall, this, this trade deadline, it, like, I don't feel like this is a lost opportunity. I don't, those second round picks to me just aren't, uh, they don't move the needle at all. Oh, fair enough. So you, so you, you'd like them to move Christian wood, but you wouldn't consider it a failure. You'd like them to move Eric Gordon. Would you consider that a failure? If they don't, well, I'd be very disappointed if they don't do it. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we're maybe you know, the just semantics of the language there, but I would be extremely disappointed if they don't move him. But, like, they will never truly know what they were offered. You know, you never, you know, get the the hundred percent accurate details. But, I mean, if they have a first round pick offer on the table, even if it's this year's, say it's Phillies and they don't do it, then yeah, I would consider it a failure. But if you know, I, I would just gonna, I'm gonna just say I'll be no matter what if they don't trade him. I'll be disappointed. Okay, fair enough. So it's like a tier one priority for them to trade Eric Gordon. Christian Wood, it's like a tier two, and like John Wall, it's like a tier three. Yeah, I mean, I I just by tier three for John Wall, it's by simply because you know, it, yeah, it doesn't it, matter. It's just difficult. You know, yeah. you, I can't expect them to trade him. I mean, you you might be able to trade him this summer or next deadline simply because it'd be expiring. Um, 
you know, I, I want to know what, what they've communicated to John Wall, because obviously he sat out this, you know, year. And I, I tend to think John Wall's not willing to sit out the entire year. Um, Which is I mean, why I think it will be ultimately end up in a, being a buyout. Like that's, yeah, that's where I think it's headed after the February trade deadline. I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I, I don't think, you know, I think that you'll see, um, you know, that there would be some some words I think uh, happen if they, you know, if something doesn't come to to a head at that point. But uh, I, I don't. I guess by saying tier three, I'd like to see him move John Wall for sure. But like, you know. You know, I can't blame them if they can't find a deal. I mean, most for the most part, to think the only offers they're getting are salary beyond 2023. It's not wise to do that. Yeah, so I I noticed you slowly changing your position over time on Christian Wood. Like last year, like you were very much in the camp of like the offer has to blow me away, and like three first round picks and the Celtics in addition um, to Romeo Langford and, and and Tristan Thompson isn't cutting it, right? How do you feel now? Like is it like kind of too much, or like what what's the asking price you're looking at in return for Christian Wood? Because I would say it's going to be really hard for them to get two firsts for him right now. Right, right. So well, just so we're clear about the. The, the proposal you threw out there last year, three first round picks had PJ Tucker in it. Right. And we were all expecting to get a first for PJ. So it's the, basically at the time is the equivalent of two firsts, right. For, for Christian Wood. So yeah, I, I was not, I definitely did not want to trade Christian Wood at the time. There, so I would say that's absolutely fair. Um, but I think at that time, you and I had a conversation right, right after, um, right. you know, in, in Twitter. And I said, to me, it's something you have to wait till the next year because, you know, he's got two and a half years left. He just basically at that point in time, you know, came to you and you, you have a chance for this guy to be a star. And, you know, he was playing great. There just everything looked, looked promising. Um, for me, things definitely have changed. Uh, I mean, he's been good. He's been great lately. Um, but I'd still trade him simply because I, I, to me, I mean, especially when you, you're trying to build with Shangoon, uh, he just the, defensively is just a poor player. I mean, it, it's we're seeing it time and time again. He's not a rim protector at all. Uh, he's an absolutely terrific offensive player uh, as far as a big. I mean, I think he's, you know, I mean, you, I, I think it's fair to draw comparisons at times to to a guy like Anthony Davis offensively. You just can't mention Anthony Davis's name because his calling card is, has been defense, and Christian Wood's not in that in that class at all. So. You know, I, for me, I think even at that time, I think it's, you know, you make an assessment a year later. And if anything, I think it kind of highlights the point of, of uh, you know, when the Rockets should be going all in for a star player is, you know, things can change a lot in a year. Um, and I think that's definitely how I view Christian Wood. I mean, now you've got a year and a half left on his contract. Um, he's probably going to want more money than he should be worth to your team. I think you need to make a decision, but I just saying that I think they do need to trade him, but I don't know if it has to be at this deadline. Uh, I would, I'm, I'm fine with it not being at this deadline, but if they trade him, I'm all for it. I, I'd like to see, I, I think, yes, I've had two first round picks as the, the price. I don't know. I don't, I, I tend to think now that's not going to be there. Um, it's probably uh, what I've been hoping for was a good first. What I, I, I thought the ideal Christian Wood trade right now would be something like Bagley and Sacramento's first because it is, you know, late lottery right now and, and sort of a bubble play in team that that's the kind of ideal uh, trade I would look at um, for Christian Wood. But I don't think that even that would be on the table right now. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where like his value. I mean, it it hasn't gone up. Like to start there, like he hasn't gotten better. Right as a basketball player, he's pretty much exactly what he was last year, uh, which is a good player. To be fair, he's a it's a good he's a good center. Uh, offensively, it's real it's really hard to find someone who can screen and dive like him and also be a floor spacer. At the same time, defensively, he takes away just so much, and you have to you have to like really construct a team around him that fits to his needs i think there are teams out there though that it, it would like it might make sense for like particularly you look at charlotte obviously charlotte's the name that you everybody throws around with christian wood right but it makes a lot of sense for them with their timeline to trade for christian wood memphis is a team that's kind of sneaky and makes a lot i think i would love to see memphis trade for christian wood because if the, all they they can just trade steve adams contract straight up and offer like the you know, maybe the two worst first rounders they have this year. They have three firsts this year. They can offer like the Utah first and their own first and hold on to the Lakers first. And they'll still be in the draft this year in a pretty nice position. And they can go acquire Christian Wood, who I think next to John Moran is like a dream fit. So I love the idea of Memphis trading for Christian Wood. I think I have a feeling though Memphis fans would probably run the Grizzlies out of town if they traded Steven Adams right now. They're in love with him. But and I just I I I think Memphis is a great location for Wood or or Gordon. I just have been pushing them to the side because so many people have made a good argument that they've actually got enough first round picks that they're probably looking for that star trade, you know, like yeah. that that J, maybe a Jalen Brown or something like that, where they're they're adding it to uh, to Ja. Morant and and you know because frankly they don't really have that they've got you know Dylan Brooks is good and and they've got a Desmond lot of Baines big, amazing though yeah it doesn't Baines great you're right and and yeah. these are these are really good players but I think most would consider them role players or high end role players so you know I think I I've just kind of dismissed them because of that um, but you know that you're right that does make sense well, let me ask let me throw this out there what do you and this has been thrown out there before but just straight up would you trade Christian Wood for James Wiseman? Just him? I Just, mean, the, con- the contracts don't even match up. They need to include someone else. I thought he was about $10 million and Wood's thirteen, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I I have to compare him, to be honest with you. I, I, don't, I don't know if they maybe they have, they'd have a minimum okay, well, guy to throw in. Well, let's just say, um, who starts at center for them right now? I'm sorry, the name is blanking. Oh, you're... Uh, you're going to catch me off guard. I can't remember who's their center. I'll look it up right now. I mean, well, Draymond is, but he's not no, Looney. Healthy. Looney. Okay. So, so if, if it's just Looney and, and Wiseman, would you do it? I'd probably say no if I'm Houston, surprisingly. I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not as high on Wiseman as I've most. Seen, neither am I. But at the same time, he's, he's 20, right? The same argument that you got or most have for for any prospect at that age, but you're right. I, I just, you know, there's no, no doubt that when he played last year, they were not very good. Um, and, you know, when he went out, they, they looked a lot better. And, you know, again, at that time, 19 year old, and he hasn't played much at all. I mean, I don't, what did he even play a, a couple games with Memphis? I can't even remember, but, you know, I, but just he's he's huge and he's got great defensive potential, I think, as far as a rim protector. Um, so I don't know what to make of that, but it, it's certainly interesting, right? Because most of the proposals that we as Rocket fans or, or just as Rocket 
followers or wherever we want to call ourselves, um, you know, are going to throw stuff out there that makes sense for, for our team. But it's like, you know, you have to find something as well. That's, that's going to be really beneficial for the other team. I, I, I think if you're throwing Kaminga out there or you're throwing Moody and Wiseman, it's, it's harder to make sense for, for uh, golden state. But if it was just Wiseman, it's not a home run for the necessarily for the Rockets, but you. I, I'm not sure if it's even like a a single, like because like I, I, I'm I'm really low on Wiseman, and he tore he just tore his ACL too. Like it's it's like that that's kind of why, like like I, I guess you're you're viewing him as like a potential buy low top five former top five pick, right? And my question is, should he have even been a top five pick? I mean, because you look yeah, at that draft and it's like for him, yeah. Yeah, Lamelo. Uh, they passed on um, uh, Anthony Anthony Edwards for him. They passed on like a lot of good players well, to Edwards take him. Went, Edwards went one, but yeah, yeah, right. I mean, as in, he was in that draft. Excuse me, but like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think you look at that draft, and it's like, I'm not sure I would have taken him number two. I, I I probably wouldn't have taken him number three either. Like, it's 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 a. I don't know. I, I I I'm lower on him than I think. I think you are. Like you you describe his defensive potential, and I just I watched him on the Warriors last year, and I didn't see much. But again, he was a rookie, so I don't know. I I, I guess it might be reasonable. Like it, it really depends on how the Rockets view him. He's huge. I'll say that he's a big he's a big guy. So yeah. um I, you know I mean he's um there's potential there. I mean he was probably I don't want to say consensus, but close to it as the number one you know, well before that draft. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was completely unexpected that he would go that high, but, um, you know, I think the, the Warriors, yeah, I mean, passing on LaMelo might've been a mistake there, but yeah, I, it, that's a tough one. Cause I'm with you. I have not been high on Wiseman. I, I think, you know, Kaminga has sold me and I've always been high on Moody. So I would love to get Moses Moody, but uh, that, you know, that's just a team, you know, Christian would just balled out against them. Um, just makes you wonder if they could get involved there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, it, it's not like so. The idea of of trading for a buy low guy in Wiseman, I don't think it's crazy. Um, first of all, like I'm, I'm also not sure if the Warriors would do it too because like it, it's it's a huge PR hit to give up on a number two overall pick like that, right? Like, like, you just give up on that kind of like if they they viewed him as that kind of talent. I don't, but they they did. They took him number two. How about this then? What do you think about? Uh, I mean, this is, I hadn't thought of this before, but Moody, Looney, and uh, the Warriors' first round pick this year, which is going to be what 28, 29? Moody, Looney, yeah, one hundred percent. That's that's an, it's a no brainer. But I don't think I don't think the Warriors do that. <laughs> but, I, but but wouldn't why wouldn't? But basically, they would just be, in my opinion, sacrificing Moody. Right. I mean, Looney, I don't know how good Looney's been, so I haven't followed them enough, but like he's been good. He's, he's played a lot for them this year. Okay. So yeah, it's just, it's tough to get enough salary, I guess is the, is the, the, the hard part. And maybe I haven't even looked, maybe that may not even be enough salary to get that done for wood. But, but I, you know, that, that to me makes you wonder because that, that pick is, you know, it's basically as, as poor of a first round pick as you can get. And, uh, you know, they're, they're basically sacrificing Moody, um, to get wood. So, but yeah, that's, you know, salary match. I'm not sure if it's there and, and, you know, you can make different cases there, but I, yeah, I think, so, so, I mean, I mean, can I, can I just say something real quick? So the way we're, we're both talking about, I mean, like the way this conversation's coming out to me, it, it seems like wood might be like an undervalued asset right now, because if, if, if these are the offers we're throwing out there right now, 
Like, I feel I tend to believe the team that trades for him are good, is is going to win the trade. <laughs> like, like he he's not like listen, he's not one of my favorite players, but like, like just Wiseman, like that's the return. Like, like I I don't know. Like, I feel like we're he he's being really undervalued. You know, and that may be the case. Maybe, maybe like in alert, it's sometimes you put a guy who's been in a lot of losing situations, which Christian Wood has, and you put him in a winning situation and he's, he's great. But I, you know, I am, I, I have soured on him some, there's not, there's no doubt about that. Like, I just, I have a hard time thinking he's going to end up being, you know, what we hoped for. And, and Hey, I could be wrong. Maybe we'll see if this happens, ends up changing, but I just have a feeling even on the Warriors, it'd be tough to imagine him, you know, stepping up defensively. Um, you know, I, I just think, especially if you're looking at him as a center, like he's, he's very versatile. He can shoot threes. So that's going to be as far as a stretch five, that's going to be great for a, a lot of teams, but you lose so much when that, that center is not a rim protector is not a defender. Um, Hey, there's a lot of teams that like him, uh, or I should say fans out there that are saying, Hey, we got to get Christian Wood. I, that would be a great addition to this team. Now they may not be willing to give up what we would want for him, but they, they like him and they want him. But uh, I, I just, I, I think I have soured a little bit on him as far as um, being a foundational piece. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm I just, I'm haven't changed. Like I never viewed him as that for Houston. I, I thought he was, I thought of him as a 25 year old last year with limited upside. And I kind of view him as someone now that, you know, is going to be a starting caliber center for a very good playoff team. But I don't know what playoff team. I mean, we, we've outlined some. I, I really think those two, the, the first two destinations we mentioned, Charlotte and Memphis, I think those guys should trade for him. Now, the, the point you mentioned about Memphis being in a position to trade for a star, I think that's. that's pretty pretty salient like i think if they were to go out there and try to get uh jalen brown or hell if they were to go to go out there and go get miles turner who i would say is better than christian wood like that makes i would rather do that right like i'd rather go get miles turner and yeah. finish out like finish use those picks on that like and it just really depends on like you know whether how the market's going to shake out how many of these guys are going to be available if if both those guys don't get traded Right, like if let's say both Miles Turner and Jalen Brown don't get traded, and like your only option there is like Sabonis or something at the trade deadline, um, I would not be opposed to the idea of trading for Wood. I think Wood's a better fit than Sabonis. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, Indy's just a t- tough team to figure out. They've always been a team that's just okay to to compete for that, you know, seventh, eighth seed. And now it seems like they're really willing to rebuild. I, it's, it's, that's tough for me. You know, I, I think that's a tough, you're, you're talking about Indy going for wood, correct? No, no. I'm talking about Memphis, Memphis going for wood. Oh, oh I'm, I sincerely apologize. Misunderstood there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think if like they can't, if they can fall short of those guys of getting a superstar, then yeah, I think he'd be great for them. I just, I think. I mean, it's they're a right. top three seed right now without any of these guys that we're talking about. Like they're, they're, like they're in that territory where like we should be debating whether or not they're legitimate contenders, right? Like, but no one's talking about them like that. So it's kind of weird for us to talk about them as a buyer. 
but they are a buyer. Like by the textbook definition of a of a buyer, they're a top four seed in their conference. They have a legitimate chance to make a deep playoff run. So they should be chasing these guys, and these players would make them a lot better and be more formidable against these other Western Conference teams like the Suns, the Warriors, and the Jazz. Yeah, for me, it's been Eric Gordon that I've focused the most on with going to them. I just thought he made the most sense um, just because, like you said, this is a team that could upset the Suns or or the Warriors. I mean, Ja is a special player, and um, – you know, I, I could see them making that move. I, it's just it, it, they're they're ahead of schedule, right? I think that's what most people would say. At least you would you would think that's what they would say. And can they give up those assets for anything less of than what they consider to be the second guy, or you know, third or you know, some uh, alongside Jai's and the, the second star that they they need? Um, and it's just, I mean, Wood would be good for them. I'm not going to lie and say he wouldn't. He'd be, he'd be a good player, but I just, I don't know if that's what they would get, should give up their assets for uh, Gore. You know, I, I felt like they've got enough assets that they could give up one first round pick. Um, it's harder to find a salary match. I think Melton is one guy that has to be involved and, and he goes beyond 2023, I believe. So it makes it a little bit of a harder match, although he's a good player. Um, but you know, I, I felt like Gordon fits and it, it justifies giving up one first round pick to get a guy like Eric Gordon. But, you know, I hadn't, to be honest, comp- hadn't thought of Christian Wood to them as much. Uh, I don't know if I would give up two firsts, it, just given the, what their goals we believe they are. Um, I, yeah. would, I don't know if I would give that up for Christian Wood. Fair enough. Well, here, here's a question. What about, what about Chicago? Should they be in the? Should they now be in the hunt for Eric Gordon? Because now so. Alex Caruso just went down, and Lonzo Ball's down, and you're talking about a team that has legitimate like deep playoff run aspirations. They're second seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Like they're a very very good team. I'm not sure if I would call them a contender, but they're just on the brink of it, right? They're they're knocking on the door. They have they have a better record than the Heat and the Bucks right now. Um, would you be willing to sacrifice assets for Eric Gordon? I mean, because this is a team that has yeah. a pretty deep guard rotation right now if, if those guys come back. Yeah, if if uh, I'm the Bulls, I would do that. Because Eric Gordon is versatile enough that he doesn't have to play guard. I mean, he could play three. He can he can defend fours. I mean, it's just, you know, at least guys in the, in the post. And, you know, to me, Eric Gordon is, I tell you, just, you know, he's just ridiculously undervalued. Um, I think he would fit in great for them, even if they do have a, um, a bunch of guards healthy come playoff time. And they they really are in a position where they can make it happen. They have enough expiring salary that that is not important to their team, which is you know uh, something that makes a trade easy. And then they have that uh, pick from Portland that's it's lottery protected every year, but it's not going to convey this year, which I think would be good for the Rockets. Um, and you know, it, so it, it becomes a future pick. It's something that they can use in a deal. I mean, kind of like how they were able to get Alperin Shangun in a trade for future picks similar to this one. So, um, yeah, I think that makes sense for both parties involved. I, like I said, it's not like the perfect pick for the Rockets, but it, it fits probably what they would be looking for. Yeah. Like I look at like, 
I, I actually don't think the market is undervaluing Eric Gordon anymore. I think he's properly valued. I think Twitter probably undervalues Eric Gordon, but who yeah, cares about sure. Twitter? Right. Sure. Like, <laughs> I, I think the Rockets will get, will get fair return on Gordon. I think they, at, at this point, I feel like we've kind of right. corrected. I feel like we've kind of all corrected on, on how we view him as a player. I think he's, he's killing it this season. His contract, I think people are starting to realize is actually reasonable. Uh, I think, the only thing that might might hold me back if I were a team is his age and his injury history, right? Those are the only two factors. They're big factors, but not enough to where I'd be nervous about giving up a first. Well, the thing with his, his uh, that makes it a little bit difficult, I agree with you that he should absolutely be extremely valued. It's just that he does make a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying he's not worth that money. I'm not, not saying that at all, but I'm saying it's harder to make a match on, on that. And you've got some of these teams that are taxpaying teams, so it can be difficult. It's hard to find. It's not impossible. There's a handful of teams, but it's hard to find salary that is just dead or not important to that contending team. Um, and you know, like I said, we, we, we've talked about Ricky Rubio and Cleveland. That's almost ideal. There's Goran Dragic in Toronto. There's, uh, Eric Bledsoe, I believe in, I mean, he, he's playing for the Clippers, but you know, that's a, a, a decent match, although they have really no, no good picks, uh, to, 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 to trade in, the, in this scenario, but there's, there's teams out there that have salary. That's a perfect match that just is dead weight for their team. And giving up a first round pick is a nothing burger for, for, in my opinion, for Eric Gordon, for what he could do for a contending team. So yeah, it, it's the only tricky part. Like, like I said, is finding that matching salary for a contending team that, you know, because generally speaking to get up to 20 million or, or 18, 19 million, um, you know, you're talking about players that are important to your team, at least for example, Golden State, it's that's usually the case. Um, you know, either that or their their top prospects. I'm gonna do something that's considered sacrilegious for an NBA team podcast in January. So <laughs> last year was probably the deepest I've ever studied researched an NBA draft. Uh, and all that studying happened within a month because I was I, I was waiting for the Rockets to see if they'd actually keep their pick. Um, this year, because I know Houston's gonna keep their pick, I've started to do research on the draft this month. Now the information coming in is like ever evolving. So my stances yeah. are subject to change, uh, right. but I'm starting to form like a picture of the top five in this draft. And more, spe- more specifically like that top four, like, what about you? I know you're a college basketball guys, but have you, so like, have you allowed yourself to go there yet? Like, are you starting to watch like Pablo Boncaro and like Jaden Ivy film right now? Yeah, um, I am ab- absolutely. Um, and the funny thing is, I'm like I I watch college basketball for one reason, and that's the NBA draft. Like I I, uh, I I'm interested in stars. I'm not as interested in college basketball as you might think, but um, I mean I'm interested in in draft prospects, I should say. And it's it's interesting for me. It's Jabari Smith uh, out of Auburn, who's for as far as the Rockets are concerned, um, is my clear number one. Now um, I'm hoping. He's not everybody's clear number one because I don't know if it's, you know, it's I mean, getting Rockets, there. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. It is. And I'm, I'm hoping it's not the case, though, simply because if the Rockets do get picked two or pick three, that, you know, that he might slide down there. Now, I will say I was impressed with what I saw uh, with Paolo Bancaro the other day. I think what impressed me the most is just that he would his ability um, to go from the three point line to the hoop. Um, 
quickly and score with, with, with out of isolation, just the ball in his hands and make something happen. And I think that's something I didn't give him enough credit for before. Um, you know, I, I don't want a guy who's just a, an effective score inside. I mean, he's going to be a good player. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be a good rebounder. Um, but I think that type of ability is, is intriguing. You know, if you can put him out there, if he can get, develop a three-point shot and he's able to attack the basket, then that's a different story. But I, for me, Jabari Smith, his ability to hit three-pointers, which he's very good at, and his ability to defend players. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be like an elite defender, but he's going to be a good defender. And he, he reminds I, me of like Michael Porter Jr. Like as a, as like an offensive prospect. Like he's he's like so he's first of all he's huge, and he's like a dead eye shooter. And like it's hard for me to envision a scenario where the that kind of player is not at least a useful role player in the NBA. Like as a very bare minimum. Right, and see that's just it. Like I, I you know I've seen people say, hey, this 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 draft doesn't have a traditional number one pick, and I'm like, man, we would all love to have a two-way player with this size, uh, you know, and this, you know, ability to shoot from three. I, I mean, that's to me is a number one pick. Um, and like I said, I'm hoping that, you know, the hype around Paolo or even Chet, um, because, you know, he was consensus number one for a long time. At least it seemed that way. Um, I'm hoping that that's still going to draw some, some interest for if, if, you know, say the Rockets ended up with the number two pick in the draft again. I, I would love to see Jabari s- slide down there. But really, right now, any of the top four, and to, frankly, I'm starting to be more impressed with five and six even, um, you know, any of the top four is going to be a good position for the Rockets to be in. I think top three is is right now where most people are saying that's where it's at. But, um, you know, I like Jaden Ivey a lot. Uh you know, KPJ is playing well enough now where you're at least questioning as much the need for a point guard. But I, to me, KPJ is, I still view him more as a six man. I, I will say he's playing absolutely fantastic the, the last uh, several games. So, you know, he could prove me wrong. Uh, but, you know, I, I like all of these guys. And, and I think Chet, <laughs> I, I hate saying this because Paolo does look really good, but like Chet uh, to me is, maybe more intriguing for the Rockets simply because they have Shangoon and because they need that kind of uh, rim protection weak side or otherwise um, that I think he might be able to provide. I think there's a, a potential there for something special because he's so big and does have those uh, shot blocking instincts and he's not a, a zero on offense. You know, he's got range. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a upside there as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all I'm just hoping for is similar to last year is just get us in that top four. And, you know, it's it's not quite the same stakes as as last year because it was top four bust, basically. But, um, you know, I think that's where it's at. And if the Rockets get a top four pick, they're going to get a guy there, I think, uh, with uh, with enormous upside. Yeah, I'm at the point where I've already formed like a top four. Like I love Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. Like and then after that, I have like Jaden Ivey and Paulo Banquero kind of battling it out for three and four. But what's really thrown me off is like I have to go watch Shaden Sharp now 
who is like this six five yeah. freshman out of Kentucky who was like projected to be like drafted in the top five next season, but like is now getting drafted this season. So like I have to start watching this kid now. Like it's really stressful, Dave. Like I'm not I'm not built for this NBA draft evaluation stuff. Like it's 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 a new territory for me. Right. And you know, and you've got these guys that you know, we're expected to be top three or four picks uh, earlier. Jalen Duran and, and uh, Jaden Hardy, who, in my opinion, has been kind of a mixed bag with the G League Ignite this year. And then you got uh, Benedict Matherin and, and um, A.J. Griffin out of Duke, which are, uh, you know, really intriguing prospects. Johnny Davis, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys. Patrick Baldwin Jr., uh, I, I would I honestly would love to see the Rockets if they could get a pick at 10 to 12 just to see who slides um, uh, and, and pick up somebody that way. But, you know, I know that's, that's extremely unlikely, but, you know, I, I think if, even if they ended up at say six, they're going to get a good player. Um, but I think right now the top four is, is looking really nice. Yeah. How do you view this top four in relation to last year? Cause I, it's pretty clear to me, other than maybe like two players, two or three players, I would probably take most of the top four last year over the top four this year. Like I, I think there's a decent difference in talent there. What about you? Ah, uh, man, that's a good question. I mean i I really liked Cade. I like I liked Evan Mobley a ton, and I was I was really happy with Jalen Green as well. I don't. Scotty Barnes was intriguing, but I didn't you know think he would end up going top four. Um, that looks right right now. Yeah, no, it does. It it absolutely does. You know, I like Jabari Smith a lot. I mean, maybe I like him too much. I, I don't know where I would put him in last year's draft. I I, I think he'd, he'd be in that conversation. I mean, if you ended up getting somebody like that at five, I think you'd be loving it. But, uh, you know, I, I, Jabari Smith, I don't want to overstate him. I don't think he's going to be like a guy you just hand the ball to and he's just going to make a, a you know, a ton of things happen, but I think he's got, um, just a lot of just, there's just a lot of potential here. He's already going to be a good two-way player. And I think he's going to, um, have upside to be more, uh, like you said, the size and everything. Yeah. I, I think last year's top four is probably better, but you know, there's, th- these are all very good prospects there. I think they're, they're similar in class. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it, it's it's going to be an interesting draft. Like, I think, you know, going into the year, you thought maybe, okay, there's this is going to be a two-man draft between Boncaro and Holmgren. And I think yeah. that that's obviously changed a little bit. Obviously, Jabari Smith has made this a conversation at the very minimum, if not dominated that conversation. Um, Jaden Ivey, has, his percentages look a lot better compared to last year. Like, his shoot, he was just a non-threat last year. And he's like a 40% three-point shooter now or something. I haven't checked his, his updated stats, but he's he's doing a lot better uh, from yes. where he was last year. Um, even from two-point range, he's more efficient. Uh, and as a defender, I'm, I'm really high on him. Boncaro, I'm probably lower on him than most. Like, I think I, you know, he gets a lot of Carmelo comparisons, right? Um, and I just... I hadn't heard that comparison, but that's interesting. I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of Car- Carmelo comparisons with him. And like, it's, I, it makes me a little nervous about that. Like I just like I don't I don't like I I'm not as high on Bunk Bunker I'd I'd say than the rest of the field. I, I really like Jaden Ivey, Jabari Smith, and Holmgren. I I do like Bunkero like as a fourth pick in this draft. But um, 
and I have to go back and watch Shade and Sharp again. Like I, I just that's that's it's so stressful. It's so stressful because this is new territory to me. I'm not used to watching college basketball. I'm not accustomed to it. Like I, uh, most of this I'm watching after the fact. I, I can't watch it live, and so it's like it's 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 a lot. It's it's a it's an exercise that's very new to me. You know, and it's it's funny. Um, you know, for us, it's an inexact science, and it is for GMs too. But they have. I mean, they privately work these guys out. They talk to all these coaches. They can't afford to miss this. You know, they, they've got to get it right. And, and I think, you know, I've talked around, you know, with, with other people and it's like, you know, we have, as far as Rafael Stone as a general manager, we've kind of, you know, uh, you know, everything he's done has been good. And, and, you know, I think obviously he was handed a situation that was, you know, less than stellar. So he's made the best out of it and everything. But the Jalen Green over Evan Mobley decision is is his, you know, and that that's uh, that's his legacy. And I'm not saying it's a bad decision. I'm I'm, I'm not. But I'm saying, uh, I mean, well, right now, as far as rookie seasons, it is. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But I mean, as far as it, it's a, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And and I'm not um, sour on totally on Jalen Green. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying. These guys, as general managers, have got to get these picks right. If you're second, third, you can't afford to have uh, the the true gem go right after you or two picks after you. And um, and, and so, it, you know, we can study it and we can have guys that we like and, and don't like, but those guys have got to get it right. And that I think I've talked to, to even Daryl in the past and 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 just as well, just people, uh, friends that you know follow the game and. Um, you know, one of the big frontiers in analytics is, is draft is, is scout is basically getting it right at the draft. Because if you're able to, to pull talent at a picks 20 through 40 consistently, and, and I think we've seen that with some teams, um, you are so ahead of the game. And, um, you know, so you, you've got to get the draft right. It, it's just, uh, it's, you, you look at the first round and it's uh, in the past and it's littered with guys that you never even heard of or guys who didn't make it. And um, so it, it's, uh, we, you know, like we said, we can analyze this draft, but the Rockets can't afford to miss this pick. And especially when you think about their outgoing picks to Oklahoma city coming up, right. It's, it's not, it's not immediate, but it's, it is coming up. It's on the horizon. They have to nail these right now before you might have a chance for a while, at least at a top five pick. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, the Kings taking Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic set them back for years. And and so you just, you can't miss. Um, and this, the reason they passed on him, I can't get over how silly their reasoning was. That he didn't work out for them? Like, what? Like, that, that's, that's such a dumb reason to not select a player. Because you were you were upset that they, that they didn't work out for you. If that is indeed the reason, that that appears to be the reporting. Like, you can't you can't do stuff like that. Like I, I think the sub to sub something similar happened with the Knicks and Steph. Like Steph didn't work out for the Knicks or something, or like it was something something along those lines. You cannot pass up on a player because he didn't work out for you. Like that's it's yeah, so Knicks dumb. Wanted him, but they they couldn't. They, 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 he went one pick before them, I believe, and Rocket and the Knicks. Excuse me, took Jordan Hill, but no, I um, I, I think it was the he didn't work out for the Warriors, and the Warriors, despite that, still picked him. Right? They they correctly decided we don't care that he slid us in the workout. We still okay. like him, and they maybe picked that's him. The case. Maybe that's yeah. the case. Yeah. Um, 
but yes, yeah, no, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate and it's just, it's part of the business, but man, this is, uh, the Rockets, like I said, they've got two shots at this 2022 and 2023, at least we, we think maybe they're going to be ahead of schedule and they won't be in the, in the, uh, upper part of the lottery there, um, in 2023, but, um, you know, they, they got to get it right. Even if they get the number one pick, they got to get it right. And that's, that's the hard part, right? Is like, uh, you know, we think we look at it and say it's Jabari Smith, but I mean, who knows? Maybe Chet Holmgren ends up being, you know, just the, the best player in the league or, or Paolo does, or who knows? And so Chet yeah, is so he, smooth. He's so fluid. I love, I love watching him on offense. Like, and as a defensive player, he's obviously very good, but like that, like, when he goes like full court with the basketball, it's just stunning to watch. Like when he when he does dribble moves with the basketball, like I've never seen a guy that big move like that. It's incredible. Well, I think what what is intriguing to me is just is I, I just need some I need to see some of the Rockets play some players that are two way guys. You know, just guys that if they don't have the ball can can still contribute to the team. And um, so yeah, if he if he checks out as a guy they think could you know be a very good defensive player in the league, then yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested. Well, Dave, this was very good. I've, I think I've spent a total of two and a half hours this week podcasting. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a much needed break this week. I'm, <laughs> you're going to get back to the normal Monday po- podcasting schedule. Thank you so much for coming on, Dave. Where can we find you on social media and what's the, you know, what's the link for the site and the accompanying podcast? Oh, sure, man. It's uh, Clutch Fans is the the, the Twitter handle and uh, the website's clutchfans.net. And uh, yeah, always, man, I always enjoy um, coming on and uh, it's, it's, it's fun. And uh, we'll have more to talk about when the Rockets acquire Ben Simmons, I'm sure. For sure. I'll talk to you down the road, man. <laughs> All right. Take care, bud. <laughs>